If you're looking for a partner to help you with marketing, I highly recommend you reach out to Andrew Lowen at Next Level Web. In the last year, Andrew and his company have helped board game creators raise more than $2 million on Kickstarter, and 91% of those campaigns funded in the first 24 hours, and 74% of those campaigns were from first-time creators. They have a system that works and offer solutions ranging from helping you build ads for your project all the way to fully managing your marketing campaign. So if you're looking for a reliable marketing partner for your upcoming campaign, visit nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and fill out a contact form. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're getting conversational. Today, we're talking about what does it look like to design a conversation game, a game where you got some friends and uh, you're talking and there's structure. You're figuring it out. Maybe you're scoring points. Maybe there's a way to win. Maybe it's just about having a really good time and getting to know the people at the table a little bit better. And we're talking to Amy Bayo from Pink Tiger Games. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Really glad for you to be here. This is such an interesting design space uh, as far as these conversational games, the, these games that, you know, maybe you've got some cards or like a little booklet or something like that. But the main thing, the main gameplay mechanism is talking. It's, you know, hanging out with your friends or your family and just having a conversation. And that's honestly a really good thing during this whole pandemic time where you can't really get in the same room. So you can do this kind of stuff online. And so, yeah, really excited to talk to you about these games. What are they? How do you make them? Why are they fun? Uh, but before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Uh, like you said, I'm Amy Bale. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I run Pink Tiger Games uh, independently uh, by myself. My husband is sort of my editor and uh, partner as far as like he helps me with layout and things like that. Um, but yeah, I design games. I've designed uh, You Think You Know Me, a conversational card game, and Flatter Me, a compliment battle card game. And my third game will come out later this year, and it's called Rabbit Rabbit, a game of superstitions. Um, and I got started when I just had an idea for uh, You Think You Know Me when I was standing in my kitchen one day a few years ago, and I kind of had this thought that we all think we know each other, right? because of what we post online, because of tweets we send or pictures we post on Instagram, but we're so full of stories and interesting things that we'll never post about. And that kind of set the ball rolling for You Think You Know Me. Very interesting. And I'm really excited to, to talk through like these games and how they work and get a little bit more behind the scenes as far as the design process of our individual uh, games, because conversation is so important. I mean, like you're just talking about as far as social media, in a lot of ways, I feel like social media is where conversation goes to die. And it's where people, they get in their little tribes and we get on our polar opposite ends of the spectrum and we yell at each other. And there's a lot of, of typing and not a lot of actual listening. There's not a lot of actual like trying to understand. Uh, we, we don't do a great job online of seeking to understand before seeking to be understood. It's a lot of just trying to give people a piece of our mind and, and tell them why we're right and they're wrong. And so I find a lot of value in these kinds of games that are inherent in bringing people closer together, whether through like one of your games, it's, it's all about flattering each other. It's like, who can give the best compliments? Like what a great starting point for a game. And so, yeah, really just excited to understand how these games work. Cause I feel like maybe the world needs a few more of them, maybe a few less tweets, few less to, uh, Facebook posts, few more actual real conversations. And so let's, uh, let's get a good working definition. So when, when you're talking about conversation games, what does that mean in your opinion? A conversation game to me is something that opens up the floor to storytelling and it's not a distraction from the structure of the game. It is a flow that ends up just happening. So the cards themselves, like, and you think you know me, give you sort of a direction. And if anyone wants to chime in, they can. It it creates that atmosphere. So you are never in a position with you think you know me 
to feel forced uh, to share more than you want to share. It's just generally engaging. So, and the cards range from, you know, silly, you know, food preferences to deeper life stuff. Like, you know, do you prefer, you know, cupcakes or donuts or, you know, to, I know blank gives you anxiety. So the cards are either ors, do's or don'ts, wood or wooden's and blanks. And yeah, anything that gives you a natural space to speak with each other and share icebreakers, first dates, like uh, people have known each other for years. Everyone can benefit from learning more about our each other's thoughts and feelings and stories. Very cool. And so it sounds like it's a way it's a way to structure conversation and maybe make things a little bit easier. Like you're saying on a first date, maybe you don't know what to talk about. Like, who is this person? And we just met and we had a couple interactions online and that's it. And so does it just give a really good kind of box for the conversation to live in? And then you kind of add a rule set, you add some like rules on top of it, maybe some point structure. Is that how it works? Yeah. Uh, so with You Think You Know Me, you each player gets seven cards and you want to lose all your cards to win the game. So if you play a card on someone and you get it wrong, you have to discard and draw again. And if you get it right, then you just get to discard. So the idea is that um, as soon as you lose your cards, it means you're either, either the best guesser <laughs> or uh, you know everyone the best. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So why would people play these games like why would they want to do this as opposed to just sitting there and having a conversation like help me understand the benefit or the gain from structuring your conversation through one of these games versus just you know randomly talking to each other right i think you think you know me uh, brings uh, you know a whole experience it's a bright colored box it's sort of rainbow striped with a bright pink base it's it's fun visually and it's fun to just pull a card at random and see what you'll talk about. So I've had everyone from, you know, bosses who want to play with their employees for, you know, for icebreakers to get to know yous. I've had professors buy You Think You Know Me's for their students to play in the classroom settings. Um, I've had uh, journalism students also do this in their editing room and, you know, with their writer, writing staff. So they can pull cards again, just to think, to acknowledge how much, how many assumptions we all make about each other. Um, because the structure of the game is I know. So every card begins with I know. So if anything is, uh, you know, antagonistic at all about my game, it's this presumption right that we think we know each other and that's the surprising thing is that i've had couples tell me that have been married for decades that they've learned new things about their partners through playing you think you know me which is mind-blowing i've had uh, uh moms reach out to me and tell me that their teens are opening up to them i had another mom reach out to me who has a child who experiences autism and she told me that um it helped her son express to her that she was putting him sort of in a box that he didn't want to be in anymore. So it just, I think it brings a full experience and a different kind of conversation rather than we're going to sit down at the dinner table and have a talk. It brings a fun element. It's a game, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like it gives you some structure to the conversation that normally wouldn't just emerge naturally. Like you're not naturally going to bring up these things more than likely. Now, some people maybe, but for the most part, you know, small talk tends to be what people default to. Oh, how's the weather? Oh, the weather's fine. And now how's your mama now? <laughs> yeah. And like, like it, we don't really go deeper than that a lot of times. And some of it is because we're not sure, like we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to ask the wrong question. But I feel like mm -hmm. when you have the context of this game, it's like, well, I didn't ask the question. The game asked the question. I'm just here, you know, I'm just playing a card. And, and so you can kind of hide behind the game a little bit. Maybe it's not my fault, it's the game's fault. Uh, but it, it gives you kind of like specifics that you would, you can go into that maybe you normally wouldn't. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier just to not talk at all. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now as a society. Like we're getting more and more isolated away from each other. Mm. And it's easy just to default to that. And it's super negative for our mental health and for our community, like our desperate need for community as human beings. We need this. And so I find a lot of value in kind of having the, the structure to say, well, hey, this is what we're going to talk about because the game said so. Let's, let's play this game. Let's have some fun. <laughs> now, tell me about your other two games. 
because they have a similar style and like, why would people play those? So flatter me, like sounds like a great opportunity to just make people feel good. And so help me understand that one. And then also rabbit rabbit. Like why do people, why are people drawn to these games? Uh, well, flatter me is a compliment battle card game and it is 250 cards each with a compliment on them. And <laughs> they are designed either to be affirmations. So you can just buy a box for yourself. I also wrote them to be given away as individual gifts if you want to do that. But first and foremost, the idea was for it to be a game. And I made it, I made the rules to be structured like the classic card game of war. So you're battling compliments between two people. But I have had people reach out to me and tell me that they're playing with groups and they're all just throwing down compliments and whoever fits all of the compliments, then, you know, winner takes all kind of thing, which I would love to see because of COVID and the timing of the game and all of that. I never uh, play tested in big groups. So that's just a treat to know. Anyway, so yes, you battle with kind words. Uh, so while playtesting, I thought I f would for sure see people like quickly uh, playing like war, just throwing down the compliments and going quickly. And that's not what happened at all. I immediately saw, you know, sisters, couples, uh, parents and their kids, uh, uh, friends just slow down, really look at each other, look at the card, be like, oh, this is more you, this is more you, this is more me, right? This is me. And uh, and really talk with each other, look each other in the eye, and, and also war, because you put down the compliments. And of course, if both compliments match, then you have to throw down three more face down, and then you put the fourth one face up, and you keep on having to battle. And that's kind of one of the most fun uh, scenarios to watch and be a part of both, uh, if I can say so myself, is that once you start battling, and you just keep battling, because the compliments, you're just keep giving each other compliments. It's so much fun. It's uh, and it's really heartwarming. I've seen people tear up. I've seen people laugh and just like, and want to play the whole deck, which of course was also the intention. So that's, that's flatter me. Very cool. It reminds me of, this wasn't really a game, but it was an activity I did growing up with my youth group at, at church where sometimes we would sit in a circle and you'd have the, the talking stick and you're not allowed to talk unless you have the stick. Mm -hmm. And you would be required to say one like really nice thing about somebody else in the circle mm -hmm. and 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 you couldn't talk about anyone who had already been talked about right so it was always like going to somebody new everybody was going to get flattered or, or you know mentioned in some way as far as something they do really well or something that someone noticed well i saw you thought nobody was watching but i saw you do this really amazing thing mm -hmm. and i just want you to know that was awesome and it was so helpful and uplifting and there's so many people that because of their personality, because of all sorts of different factors, kind of get left out in a lot of ways. And this type of game fixes that. It, it corrects that and says, no, no, everybody gets a chance to be lifted up. Everybody gets a chance to have something really nice said about them. And I think that's, that's really cool because I, I know with a lot of party games, it's easy for some people just to kind of be on the, the fringes, be on the outside because maybe they don't have a really you know, in-your-face attitude or, or personality or whatever. And so they're going to kind of sit back and just watch and, you know, and they don't, maybe that, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's totally fine if that's how they want to approach the game. But it's really nice when a game says, no, everybody gets to feel good in this game. Everybody gets <laughs> to, you know, have an experience. And so that's, that's really cool. Uh, tell me a little Thanks. bit more about, about Rabbit Rabbit and, and kind of how that one works and, and why people are drawn to it. Well, Rabbit Rabbit is a game of superstition. So it's a trivia game uh, about myths, folklore, magic, and of course, superstitions. I came up with the idea and at the end of 2019, when I came across an article about superstitions uh, for New Year's Eve in countries around the world, and I was so interested in what I was reading, I started reading the article aloud to the friends I was with, and they were also really engaged right away and interested, and I was like, oh, so that kind of planted the seed, and I was like, I wonder if there are any games that talk about superstitions, because of course there's many games based on myths and folklore and fun things like this, but is there anything that really focuses on superstitions and, uh, uh, you know, and traces them in some way and what they mean? And so once that seed was planted, I uh, decided to make it a trivia game, because the more I researched and dove into the information, I found it so enchanting, so interesting that 
from the beginning of time, humans have been looking for signs, looking for comfort, looking for ways to explain, you know, the unexplainable. And they, you know, so they looked for messages from animals to plants to stars and making wishes. And I was just super hooked on the whole subject matter. So yeah, I had to make it into a trivia game. So it's 350 cards. It'll come out this fall. And what I found in playtesting online, of course, because this was all done during 2020, uh, during COVID and lockdown, is once people start engaging with the rabbit rabbit cards and reading the superstitions and sharing them with each other, they inevitably end up talking about uh, superstitions they've learned in their lives and, you know, where they came from, you know, from grandparents or, you know, from parents and, you know, extended family. And it's so fun and so amazing to hear all their different, you know, stories about their superstitions. So that made it a conversation game too and fell right in line with everything I want to do with Pink Tiger Games. Right. And it's, it's such a cool idea and it's endlessly expandable. I mean, you could do, obviously sitting there thinking about the sports version, because I know growing <laughs> up in the South, we have so many superstitions around sports and you don't ever do this before a game. You don't ever eat this or say that mm-hmm. or do, you know, because it's bad luck and it'll, it'll make you play bad. And if you think about baseball, like how many superstitions are involved in baseball? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And it's such a cool concept to get people talking and laughing and, and aware of new cultures in this case and aware of different things happening around Thank the world. You from yeah I hope so, so. Uh-huh, absolutely and so let's talk a little bit about like why why design one of these you mentioned some things here and there some different pieces like well you read this and that but like give me a little bit deeper look into as a designer why would you spend time on these types of games as opposed to any other type of game you, you could be working on like what really drew you in and might even draw other people into making these kind of games Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think it's just because since I was a kid, my favorite thing to do is talk. So <laughs> I love a good conversation. And it, my idea of a good conversation is anything that feels authentic and genuine, um, fun, serious. It, you know, it runs the whole spectrum. Like anything that feels like you're really seen and really heard and someone's really listening and present with you it's the greatest gift to get a, get up from a table or a couch or a phone call or whatever it is, even a terrible Zoom call because those kind of are life-sucking, but they're also, you know, important right now. And get up from a conversation and feel really fulfilled because you've connected. And I, I, don't, I don't know, I just thought, how can... Because it... I guess what came first really was the assumptions about people. So that came with, you think, you know me. And then what I saw was that here I had created a game and I didn't mean to create a game that did this, but people were talking and listening and paying attention to each other. And I was like, Oh, I live for this. I love it. (laughs) People feel cared for. And that is so beautiful and true. And uh, so that's kind of what I strive for. And I had the idea for flatter me, the same summer as I was first playtesting You Think You Know Me in 2017. And because I like to focus on one thing at a time, I kind of just kept a note, you know, running notes about Flatter Me, but I didn't work on it until, you know, You Think You Know Me was, you know, done, (laughs) very, very done and and doing well. Uh, And then Flatter Me, again, what I learned as I watched people play is both games, Flatter Me and You Think You Know Me, People didn't care if they won, which was also a trip because I I don't know, we probably both know lots of people who really care if they win and they get really mad if they don't win. And even people who were, you know, they said this themselves to me, they were table flippers, you know, if they didn't win, they would get really upset. Um, They loved playing my games and they didn't care if they were winning or losing. They just wanted them to keep going. So these this these bits of feedback as i went made me uh just so inspired and so happy that i had created something from something i love that i didn't realize would have this sort of outcome so it sort of is circular if that makes sense <laughs> yeah definitely and hopefully more people will will try to design these kinds of games i think the world needs more of these games. And, and yeah, the market out there, I guess you're not going to have a million dollar Kickstarter with one of these games more than likely. No. But I <laughs> no. feel like they're important. And uh, especially for times such 
as these. And so let's talk a little bit more about the gaminess, I guess is a way to put it. Because <laughs> some people might say, well, this is just an activity. So what, what separates these games? Like what makes them a game versus just being an activity where you're sitting around talking to each other? Well, you think you know me, like I said, uh, the official rules are to lose all your cards. So, and if you get things wrong, you know, then, it, and of course, you're going to play with some tough people who want to keep going. That happens. I even had a person tell me that, you know, she lies a lot during you think you know me. So, she, so the game can keep going, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Um, I've never seen that in person. So I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Um uh, so the official rules, yeah, are to lose all your cards, but you can also just take the deck and leave it in the box and then pull out cards and try to collect sevens. You do this reverse play instead of saying, I know, you know, and play it on someone. You can say, you know that I prefer blah, blah. And whoever yells out the answer first, they get the card. And so they collect seven cards. So that's a really fun way to play too. Um, again, I always try to go with the magic number seven uh, <laughs> and in Rabbit Rabbit as well, you want to get seven trivia cards right. And I threw in a little uh, homage to the, our, one of my favorite games, Uno. And once you're at six cards for Rabbit Rabbit, if you don't say Rabbit Rabbit, then you'll lose a turn if somebody else notices you have six cards left. So uh, you have to say Rabbit Rabbit once you're at six cards, so you won't lose a turn. And for Flatter Me, it's either about uh, you know collecting the most compliments or giving away the most compliments. So you could argue that Flatter Me doesn't have a you know, traditional structure of a game, but people do play it like a game. All the playtesting that I did and all the feedback that I've gotten, people are out there throwing those cards down, getting the compliments and collecting them, and they're pretty stoked to win. <laughs> so those are that's how my games are structured, if that makes sense to you. <laughs> gotcha. And, and yeah, I like the idea if we're going to take a, a typical activity and we're going to put it into some structure, we're going to have maybe some points. In your case, it's it's cards, gaining cards, or getting rid of cards. Mm -hmm. and, you know, there is a, a, a clear, like, when the game is over. And I think that's also a really good thing because with conversation, sometimes it's hard to know when it's over. It's over mm. when we have to go do something else or someone has to leave. And, but with this, it kind of puts it inside of a, a box and says, hey, we're going to do this thing for this amount of time, roughly. And, then, and then, so it's not like that awkward silence and you're like, oh, I guess the conversation's over because no one else has anything to, to say. It, it, I feel like you can avoid that a, a little bit. Uh, let's talk about these games as competitive versus cooperative. And, and it seems like your, your game's kind of a, a mixture in some different <laughs> ways. But let's, let's talk through that and what it looks like for these games to be, uh, to basically create a different experience based on kind of how the game works. And so is that something you've really thought through is like, you know, avoiding it to being too antagonistic and making sure it kind of creates a certain atmosphere and kind of balances working together and kind of working against each other. Tell me about that side of designing these games. Yeah, I don't, I'm not inspired to make anything that is going to make people feel left out or want to fight. <laughs> so I'm more inspired for a more positive experience. So of course with Rabbit Rabbit, because it's a trivia game, you can play with one to 10 players. You can play by yourself and just, you know, read each card and quiz yourself, or you can play with big groups of people and have a trivia host and break into teams. So in that element, you've got some cooperative play. Uh, and I'm not sure how to answer the rest of the question because again, um, I've tried to define these games they're games but they're almost they're they're conversation and so they're games adjacent and and maybe that's why uh they're hard to like pin down in a traditional game space but luckily i have lots of game stores that sell my games and but they've also been very popular you know at gift stores and uncommon goods is one of my largest partners they've been amazing they sell my games um and they're more of like, you know, you don't go to Uncommon Goods to buy games, even though they have great games. They have all kinds of games. It's more of like, I want to find a unique gift kind of thing. Yeah. And it seems like it really just comes down to, as a designer, what type of experience you're trying to create. I'm reminded of the game Super Fight, which is all about mm -hmm. coming up with these kind of hilarious uh, mashups of who would win in a fight. And, and you 
play these cards and then you have to tell a story or tell like why this person or this type of thing would win versus these other things and you know basically make your case and then get to, you know someone gets determined to be the winner and again that's antagonistic but at the same time it's it's funny like the idea is to be as mm-hmm. ridiculous and crazy and, and fun as possible uh, and then i'm also reminded of the game called the quiet year which is very collaborative where you're basically coming up with the history of what is going on in this civilization, kind of post-civilization, like things are being rebuilt and there's all thing, these things happening and you draw cards and based on the card, maybe it's a bad thing, or maybe it's a really good thing. But uh, in that time period, you have to come up with, well, this is the bad thing. So a bad thing happened and let me tell you about what the bad thing is and you kind of create this collaborative experience of, of you know, working on or creating the lore or the, the past or the history or whatever of this uh, this world that you're creating. And so, again, that's a very different experience, but it can be very good. And so I think it also just depends on the group, your your target market, who who are you making this game for? Super Fight seems to be more for like college age dudes. <laughs> you know, it seems to be that kind of uh, experience. Uh, and so I, I think it just depends on who you're making the game for. And so what would you say are your target audience so when you're, you're thinking through okay i want to make one of these games what do you what who's your customer avatar like who are you thinking through and how does that help you make decisions based on the game design process that is such a good question i feel like i'm a marketer's nightmare truly because i'm the person who's like no my games really are for everyone <laughs> i promise <laughs> you know like i truly am a nightmare uh <laughs> but yeah i mean i've had people tell me that you know their five-year-old jumps in you know, on Flatter Me and on You Think You Know Me. Uh, And I have, you know, grandparents and friends of, you know, my parents who uh, are like, oh, we love You Think You Know Me. And I'm I'm like, oh, dear, what do I do with this? Like, truly, it's it's a lot of, it's a variety of people. I would say it skews mostly to women. Uh, Like, according to, if I look at, like, the algorithm of, you know, what my instagram you know likes and things like that uh yeah i think that they're probably women are the ones who are buying the games um but everyone is sort of engaged in enjoying them it's yeah it's a tricky one for me i wish i could tell you that (laughs) i have an answer but i really don't yeah i think that my games are a good gateway for people who think they don't like games that's also been great feedback that i've received over the years are people like i don't like games i don't like to sit down and play games i just have no interest but i really love playing your games and that's a huge compliment you know so uh yeah where do i go from there when i'm designing or what's inspiring me i think i try to just make what i love and i think i learned that funny enough because my husband, Andy, runs uh, XOXO Fest here in Portland, Oregon, where we live. And it's an indie creator, uh, you know, conference and festival that lasts for four days. And we usually have it in September. But of course, we didn't have it in 2020. And it's not coming back this year, but hopefully next year. Don't tell anyone. Shh, hopefully. And uh, so XOXO is, has people from all different sorts of industries from video games we have a tabletop night we have a we have speakers we have uh, artists of all different kinds um just people who make things and i was so inspired around everyone to just make what i want to make and be true to myself i think that's where the seed was planted truly yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also love the fact that your game is one that could just sit on the coffee table in the box. And when people sit down and they're just kind of hanging out or maybe we're getting ready to go out to dinner or something like that. And you just open the box, pop out a couple cards and, and have a quick little, you know, let's have some fun getting to know each other a little bit better or, you know, just kind of pass the time. And it gives you some structure. And you're not, again, not, you're not just small talking. Uh, you have a little bit deeper, more meaningful conversation. And I think that's another really cool thing about these games that, that you can you can do. Is that something you also thought about? Yes, and people have given me that feedback as well that they keep them in that you know they keep a box either on their dining room table in the kitchen and the living room. I even have people who've reached out and said they bought an extra copy for the car so they could have a copy of you think you know me in the car so their kids or they could grab cards to chat when they you know just easily when they are in the car. So nice. 
yeah, and that's another great place uh, to do this. And it's a lot better than your kids just sitting there watching a movie on the DVD player in the backseat or, or fighting with each other and all the things that kids typically do in the backseat uh, of cars. And so all right, what about for people who aren't good or don't enjoy talking or storytelling, or at least they feel like it, right? They, they're like, oh, I'm not any good at telling stories. I'm not any good at this. How do you, as a designer, kind of encourage people to to come in, right? To say, hey, come on in. The water is fine. Don't worry about it. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have a good experience. Is there any way you can do that or anything that you've done in the, the way the games play or the way the cards, you know, the wording, anything for people that just maybe don't, you know, aren't typically drawn to this kind of experience? Sure. I try to encourage people to make my games their own. So because they're so flexible, malleable, you can, you know, if you don't like a card, switch it out, pick another card, you know, don't get too choosy, I guess. But in the long run, who cares? As long as you're having a good time and the conversation is flowing, if you're like, I don't want to answer that one or don't want to ask this of anyone here right now you know trust your gut like if you don't want to talk about something again forcing an experience is not something i'm here for so i have had people be like well i don't know i don't know if i want to play this and i'm like that's okay like sit down and watch people play then decide and inevitably people end up you know chiming in grabbing some cards they're one, you know, I, I win them over. <laughs> I have to say, I usually win them over. I don't have a memory in the past few years of playing You Think You Know Me where it's negative. I mean, knock on wood, right? There's some superstition for you. Um, it's It ends up being a net positive, even for people who are a bit skeptical, which I totally understand. Sometimes you're just not in the mood, you know, to talk. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just think it's something to be aware of as a designer. If you're going to make these games, like how do you, again, bring as many people in to and, and as many people to the table as you can. Uh, and so mm -hmm. let's let's talk about kind of the business side of things. Let's talk mm -hmm. about components and card counts and, and MSRPs and, and things like that. Because as a publisher, this is something you obviously also have to think about. You can't have a box of a thousand cards necessarily because maybe that's going to make the game more expensive than the target market is going to pay for. And so tell me kind of the things you think about from the publishing side, from the money side of things, as far as the box, the box size, card count, any of those things that play into how much is this going to cost to manufacture? That's a good question. Yeah, for You Think You Know Me, I wrote over 2,000 cards or more at this point. I have enough for many, many expansions. Uh, and I was, because I was so new in 2017 when I came out with this idea and I was playtesting with you know about a hundred cards right that i had just handwritten at first in those first couple of months and i quickly realized that if i wanted it to have a long life that i wanted uh more cards the better so i did look at like the card count of cards against humanity and of super fight and the prices and i was like okay, well, this seems doable to me to have a 500 card card game. And I had a publisher reach out to me just before uh, You Think You Know Me came out and they wanted to partner with me and be my distributor and publisher. And uh, we went back and forth with contracts and everything. And they were like, what if we made it 350 cards and this pr price point? And because I didn't know, you know, anything and I kind of felt uh, very married to my idea at that point because the Kickstarter was already done. I had raised like 28,000 after I asked for 15, which was pretty great for a conversational card game in my first uh, Kickstarter. So I kind of stuck to my guns. We went back and forth, like I said, for a few months with lawyers trying to sort out if we would be a good um, partner, if they would be good partners with for me. And ultimately, I decided to go indie, stay indie and go for my 500 card box. And I'm glad that I did because uh, it, it turned out that, uh, yeah, it turned out well I, for me. I'm, I'm comfortable with my decision and how many games I've sold by myself. Um, and then when I had the idea for Flatter Me, I was like, I need this to be smaller and be a gift and I need it to be more of an impulse person. Uh, purchase <laughs> so i wanted it to it was really important to me that i get the price point to about twenty dollars uh and again with rabbit rabbit that structured the same sort of way i wanted it to be under 25 dollars if possible 
again, because I felt like it will be more of an impulse fun buy. A trivia game only has a certain amount of um, shelf life. Uh, and I understand that on people's shelves, or maybe that'll get passed around a little bit more. Whereas I think Flatter Me could be bought over and over again, and I definitely have written enough cards to make expansion packs for that too. Oh, and I've written like 1,500 or more Rabbit Rabbit cards as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I write a lot. I love the writing process too. So it knowing that you think you know me was in that $30 price point because of how much, how expensive it is to for me to create um for me to manufacture on my own i knew that i wanted these next two games to be a bit smaller uh yes yeah, absolutely. And so tell me the process of cutting, right? When you have 1,500 cards and obviously that many, I mean, that'd be a very large, like that's like a Gloomhaven size box of cards <laughs> at that point. Uh, tell me your process of cutting them down to finding like, here's the best 100, here's the best 250. What's your process? How do you do that? I'm sure playtesting is involved, but help me understand the design process of like getting down to like, here's the best cards that we're going to put in the box. Right. So just like a podcast, right? You just want lots of uh, lots of talking, lots of words, lots of stories, lots of uh, lots of stuff to work with. So my thoughts were just write and write and write, exhaust myself, you know, with subjects and interests and uh, for flatter me, you know, entertaining, sweet, fun words <laughs> and with rabbit rabbit, every superstition I could find. And with you think you know me, every subject that I would dream up um, that someone could talk about. Uh, so, you know, I was inspired by everything for You Think You Know Me, of conversations that I was having, books I was reading, articles I was reading, movies, TV shows, music, you name it, right? So when it comes down to it, uh, I can tell you what I always cut out and the things I don't talk about in my games, I don't talk about animal cruelty of any kind. I try to make everything gender neutral uh, and, and inclusive as possible. And I don't talk about parenting. I feel like uh, that's a subject that is just so personal and so close to people's hearts that it's not casual enough or it it's too deep in a way that cuts too deep. So uh, those are my rules of things to cut. Oh, and I try not to bring in pop culture too much either. So nothing, I don't want anything that's not going to last. You know, not, I want my subject matter to have a life, to have a long life. So uh, with those things in mind, it just comes down to making sure I'm not repeating myself in any weird way or duplicating. So I have to make sure those are edited out and I have to make sure there's a good balance balance as we all know in every game in life <laughs> in every way right we need balance you have to manage the light subjects and the dark subjects and those in between and uh so the spontaneity of gameplay will uh will provide that will provide the balance um and even in conversations right uh, you know, you go deep for a bit and then you need a little joke. You need some levity, you know, um, after you've gone granular, you need to talk about pizza, you know, <laughs> like it just feels nice. Uh, it's a good way to have a conversation. So that is how I kind of cut for rabbit rabbit. I will tell you, I'm still in the editing process right now because I also with each of my Kickstarter campaigns do a make a card option with me which is a blast and so I only have a limited number of those and those backers pay you know a couple of hundred uh, hundreds of dollars to make a card with me they get three games if they want the games signed then I'll sign them for them I'll send them anywhere they want free shipping and I get to make a card with people so I have seven of those for rabbit rabbit and I've uh, collaborated already with two of the backers. And um, so, yeah, I could go on and on about editing, but that's a little peek into my process. <laughs> gotcha. And that's a really cool idea as far as like a way to build community and really engage with your backers. Uh, when it comes to like play testing, because I feel like that's really the place that you can edit some of these out and get rid of some that maybe do cut a little bit too mm. deep. And while that, that took a turn for the worse, I, that's not a good conversation starter at all. <laughs> so tell me about your play testing process and like what you're looking for as other people are playing the game and you're watching or, or you know, as you're testing things out. 
I'm just making sure people are understanding the structure of the game first and then uh, their response to what I've written. Uh, and if any words are, you know, tripped up, then I know I need to edit specific, specific cards, you know, so I just make notes for those. Or if people are confused by any, you know, subject matter or um, yeah, any words that just aren't sort of universally uh, understood. Of course, I, I want some words in my game to be challenging. Maybe it's okay. You know, you can pick up your phone or your computer and Google something if it is, you know, out of your, you know, spectrum of things that you know. Um, that's okay, but you don't want to do that with every card. That's just, you know, doesn't feel great for your brain and you didn't come here to study for a midterm you came here to play a game you know so a good balance uh again of familiarity uh and ease with a little bit of challenge okay that makes a lot of sense now have you thought about like niching down as far as like creating one of these games for couples creating one of these games for like specific types of people or uh, specific groups in certain contexts certain situations have you kind of looked into doing that yeah, I'm thinking about doing a game that I haven't talked about this publicly at all. I mean, this has just been in my head for a couple of years. I'm thinking about doing a game um, that's primarily for women uh, and non-binary people who want to explore um, the topics of feminism and misogyny and uh, how to you know, live in a way that is authentic to yourself in a world that has told women that we're supposed to be a certain way. And it's a bit heavy, but it's it's something I've been taking notes on for a long time. So I might do that. I might not. I have a few ideas that are brewing. And of course, my main focus right now is uh, getting Rabbit Rabbit to a place where I you know, I know that there's there's too many cards that I love for Rabbit Rabbit, so it's a, a it, I'm deep in the weeds um, editing for that now. Very interesting because I think this is a, a place where some really some really cool things could happen if you start really niching down because then you really can get specific and, and maybe a card that would normally get cut because mm -hmm. it's like ah well you know that's kind of maybe too specific, too much out of context of kind of a general group of people. But then you can kind of switch gears and go, no, mm -hmm. no, this is for teenagers. This is for moms and daughters. This is like whatever. And I feel like you could have some really interesting conversations that come out of that because of the specificity of things that you wouldn't normally be able to because the game is technically for everybody. Well, all of a sudden, no, this game is not for everybody. This game is only for these groups of people in these contexts. <laughs> and uh, it could be really, really interesting. I know a lot of book series have, have gone that route and done pretty well with, with niching down and, and uh, making specific you know, the chicken soup book series for better or for worse has done this like <laughs> a million times, right? A uh, chicken right. soup for the coach, chicken soup for the player, chicken soup for the boy, the girl, the whatever. And uh, so I, think, <laughs> I think that's just something uh, else to, uh, you know, just think about, especially from a publishing standpoint, because it's, it's just a, another way to approach the market. Uh, it might not do well as kick, a, kick, a Kickstarter game <laughs> as far as that goes, but um all right, cool. Now, what else? What else are some things to think about from the publishing side, the manufacturing side? All, any, anything we've left out, anything you're running into as you print games, as you ship games, as you market games that, you know, someone that designs one of these conversational games would just need to be aware of and need to think about? Let me see. Uh, I like to create card games and uh my partner, my husband, often challenges me to make a board game, <laughs> uh, to actually, you know, have a board. Uh, and so far, I haven't been drawn to that. So again, I think it's just about staying true to who I am. And there's something I really like about working with just cards and boxes with simple rules with variants. That's very important to me too, that all of my rules have variants as well as, like I said, you can make them your own. And I encourage that. And I love when people reach out to me and tell me some new, unique way that they've played my games. Uh, but yeah, so far, I like that people can take the cards anywhere and having that be an option. Like right now, of course, I have enough you think you know me cards to 
edit down to a to an expansion pack for a hundred card deck and I think I may try to do that this year on my own instead of doing a Kickstarter for it. I, if I can fund that on my own, I will. Because now that I'm on year, what is it? Um, coming on year about three and a half uh, years since the first Kickstarter, I'm just now starting to be able to build on the success of the cards. You think you know me is in its third printing. And it, the third printing was done by a new to me printer that I had, uh, they also did flatter me and they're just more affordable and the quality is gorgeous. I'm so happy with the quality. And like I said, they're more affordable. So it's a big win for me as far as my margins go. And as far as being able to build upon, uh, my company and make pink tiger games, um, you know, maybe I can even, you know, drop the price for you think you know me soon too, which would just be amazing. Uh, sorry, I'm getting in, the, getting little in the weeds there, but th these are all things that are on my mind. Well, what will come next? And, uh, but people do ask for you think you know me expansion pack, and it'd be really nice to be able to have a little pack that people could just put their favorites in, you know, put their 100 favorites in to carry in their bag. Yeah, that's awesome. And congrats on the success of your company. And I hope it continues to do well and more and more people find these games and have really interesting, good, meaningful conversations because of them. Now, Thank you. when it comes to, yeah, now when it comes to marketing, how do you, how do you sell these things? Like how, what, what's the copy look like on your website or your landing page? How do you get across to people what this game is and why they would enjoy it? What is your marketing? How do, how do you sell it? Well, I sell Pink Tiger games with the, my, my, uh, my phrasing is, you know, games that make you, games that are kind and help you feel seen and heard. So, and of course, when I'm writing about them on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter, I write about the conversation, storytelling, social, you know, party game aspects of them as well. I write press releases for each of my Kickstarters too, and I send those out to uh, you know, local um, publications. I've sent games to influencers on Instagram. And uh, in, I, I tend to go the way of just people I admire on Instagram. So anyone who's like into lifestyle or beauty or mental health, I send I, I send little notes to people like that, and I ask them if they're interested in in me sending them some games and. Uh, every time someone has said yes, uh, it's worked out really well. I've been on, you know, some holiday gift guides that were really great. So I'll, it's been a really organic growth for me. And a, and it's been, again, I always come back to, it's just been very true to myself. I, I reach out to people who I admire for a variety of reasons. And I've had really uh, great experiences because of it. Uh, I even got, you know, uh, in 2018, right after You Think You Know Me came out, I was interviewed for a local magazine here in Portland that's glossy and beautiful. It's Portland Monthly Magazine. And they called You Think You Know Me cards for humanity. And that was their take on it. And I thought that was really sweet. And then uh, because of that article, it led to a spot for local TV. So I was on our local Fox News and was interviewed about my game when we played You Think You Know Me. It was so fun. It was so great. And that in turn led to, uh, or maybe even before that, was Uncommon Goods and my collaboration with them. And they put me in their holiday catalog that year as well in 2018. So it was a things just sort of snowballed really nicely. Uh, also last year in 2020, I reached out to a woman who I'd been following her uh, blog and her Instagram and Twitter for, geez, probably 10 years. And I just was like, I would love to be featured on your site in some way if you'd ever want me to send you games. And she said yes. And she ended up saying that she thought her friend Alicia Silverstone <laughs> would like my games. And would I mind please sending her uh, a copy of each of my games? And I did. And I ended up in Alicia Silverstone's uh, holiday gift guide on her website, A Kind Life. I think that's what it's called. Oops. Kindlife.com, maybe. And that was so amazing to be in that. And 
because I was in these gift guides, I had another cool company reach out to me that's LA-based called Gifting with a Y, G-Y-F-T-I-N-G. And they do gift boxes for, you know, corporate functions and big companies and et cetera, et cetera. And they ended up buying a bunch of Flatter Me and putting them in boxes that were curated for uh, the brand for Puma. And Puma sent them to record executives and influencers. And that was a really great, uh, you know, push after that, too. So all of these things, just being authentic to who I am and following my heart and my gut, I've gotten really lucky. <laughs> and people are really generous and really kind and really helpful. And I try to return that kindness uh, as much as I can. Wow, that is absolutely excellent. And again, congratulations on the game just getting into more and more people's hands. And again, this game is creating conversations that need to be had. And so that's just phenomenal. And I love your slogan, games that make you feel seen and heard. Yeah. I think it's perfect. I think I don't think you could have said it any better <laughs> than that. And I think that just will hopefully draw people in. As soon as they read that, they go, oh, okay, this that's interesting. I, I want to know more. And uh, it's so important to have a really good like slogan for your company or, or whatever it is um, to just draw people in and get them to click and, and get them to kind of read, continue reading down the page. And I think that that slogan uh, is, is perfect. So anything else, what have we left out? Anything that you want to make sure we highlight or anything from the design space, publishing, manufacturing, any of those things for conversation style games? Uh, I wish I could raise even more money on Kickstarter. <laughs> if I was going to be greedy, <laughs> if I was going to be greedy, that's what I would definitely say. But I mean, it's to every every backer honestly feels like a miracle. I'm so grateful. I literally when I'm doing a Kickstarter, it's such a tremendous roller coaster ride of gratitude and fear and holding on for dear life until it funds, right? And I really try to ask for only as much as I need. I budget it down to the last, you know, penny and that's what I ask for. You know, uh, you're never going to see me if I need $16,000. I'm not going to ask for 2000 and cross my fingers and hope it works out. Like, I'm, I'm going to ask for 16 because I need 16. Uh, so that's really important to me, too. Again, that just comes from that authentic, you know, space of asking for what you need. And when the community comes through, every backer I see on my phone, I just, you know, I usually thank people out loud if I see their name. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but like you said before, these aren't, you know, conversation games, social games, party games. Well, some party games. There have been huge party games on Kickstarter. But social uh, conversation storytelling games might not be the place uh, for huge Kickstarters. But I have found my audience and I love them. And I'm so grateful that I can continue making what I want to make. I am hoping this this Kickstarter that wrapped a few days ago will be my last big one. Um, I'm hoping that, I, like I said, I can slowly start funding things myself and just like announce, you know, that I'm dropping a game that that would be like the dream for me and to keep on working with Uncommon Goods. And if I'm going to get really dreamy, then I would love to have some sort of partnership uh, with Target. I think that being in a store like Target with my games, I think would be huge. I think people would love them. I think that, uh, like I said, my games appeal to people who think they don't like games. And another little secret bit that's not so secret is I think when you have on your games 13 and up, that even if they are appropriate and fine for kids, as, you know, young as eight or nine, um, they kind of feel, you know, cool when they're nine years old and they pick up a game. And they're like, oh, this is for teenagers. And, you know, I get it and I like it and I can play with it. So I'm going to stick with making games that are, you know, 13 plus. And it also has the added advantage of I don't have to pay for uh, safety testing, which is nice because they're fine. I mean, they're cards. I don't have any small pieces. The kids are going to be fine. Um yeah, so all of those things. And I try to make my packaging really interesting, too. Uh, you think you know me. I designed myself with my husband, Andy. And then uh, Flatter Me, the artwork is by Ashley Goldberg, who is an amazing painter and uh, illustrator. And she's worked with all kinds of big brands all over the world. And so I was super honored when she was, you know, like, 
this was, you know, a collaboration. She told me I could use this beautiful painting of hers for Flatter Me. And then for Rabbit Rabbit, I worked with a, a well-known tattoo artist to do the artwork for Rabbit Rabbit. So I guess I'm just giving you a big uh, snowball of like all these things that I love that make me want to keep making games. It's the art, it's the conversation, it's the words, it's the support from community. Uh, and I also try to give back. Like I said, I whenever anyone reaches out to me about um, Kickstarter or about production or about, you know, what printers I like, I am all in. I will help whoever I can. You know, I will schedule a call with you and I will help you and I will tell you what I've liked, what I haven't liked and, you know, and hopefully send you on your way, you know, to, you know, having some fun and having some success with whatever it is you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And let's dive a little bit deeper into the Kickstarter marketing side of things. Because like you said, <laughs> these games are not the typical games that would go to Kickstarter and do really well. And so how have you built up an audience? How have you found so many backers? I mean, you, you made a pretty good chunk of money, especially for this kind of game. And so how have you done that? What would be your advice to someone else who's listening to this thinking, oh, I've got a really interesting game, but how in the world am I going to get it funded? Like, What would you tell them? Thank you. That's really sweet. Um, I... I just post like a maniac. Honestly, (laughs) I post everywhere uh, every day. I post on Twitter. I post on Instagram. I post on Facebook. I have been super active in all of the gaming groups on Facebook too. Again, just trying to find community and um, find new friends and new people in the industry, uh, which I love those communities so much. And at first I felt like I didn't belong again because making conversation games, making party games, like I do feel sometimes like the odd person out, but that's also silly because I am in the space. I am selling games. I am making games and they're doing well, you know? So I have to, I have to remind myself of that a lot when, you know, it's all these board games that, I don't know anything about, but that's okay. Like that's what makes uh, all of us interesting, right? Are our own interests. Um, so yes, I post as much as possible, try to meet as many people as possible. It's funny enough in the middle or maybe a few days into the rabbit rabbit campaign is when I got on clubhouse and clubhouse has kind of got a weird, bad rep, which I sort of understand, uh, if you find the right rooms on Clubhouse, if, if for people who don't know, Clubhouse is a new app that's iOS only and it's beta right now. It's invite only. It, it will expand and it'll be out there for everyone. But it's a social platform where you just use your voice. And so it's sort of like a constant podcast platform and you can enter rooms and talk with people and sort of be brought up on stage to talk or you can just be a listener you don't don't ever have to talk you can just listen but i've met so many people in the gaming industry through that app i've had people buy my games i had people support my kickstarter i've brainstormed about other games so that's been super fun so yeah just making the most out of social media and uh making the most out of the relationships hopefully that you've built with friends and family and their friends and their family and letting that ripple out um because when people want to support a dream coming true it's the coolest thing that's what makes kickstarter so special i think for me is you know here i have this idea and then people trust me enough to know I'll see it through and are interested enough, you know, to want to back it. Uh, It's the coolest gift in the world. And it makes me know that I'm on the right track because I had, I did have one failed Kickstarter and I wasn't on the right track. And I'm so grateful that that Kickstarter didn't succeed because it wasn't really true to who I was. Again, we're going back to being true to who you are. Uh, So looking back on it, it, it was such a blessing that that didn't happen, you know? So that's my very long answer. <laughs> very cool. Amy, this has been excellent. Do you have any closing thoughts? Maybe someone sitting there listening to this show and thinking, I could make one of these games. Maybe they've got an idea or working on one. What would you tell them? What would be your kind of closing thoughts for them? I would say be authentic to yourself. Make the thing you want to make. There's nobody like you, even if you think that you're idea exists in a million different iterations no one is you you know follow your heart make what you want to make make five copies 
make a thousand copies, you know, just follow your heart, make your things because it's so spectacular to, uh, you know, to fulfill that dream, you know, and to share it with people. There's nothing like it. And, uh, and it's a gift and you're a gift. Everyone is a gift with a unique voice. So enjoy it, use it, do it. <laughs> Definitely. Now, I mean, where can people find you and your games online? Uh, you can find me at pinktigergames.com, and that will link you to You Think You Know Me if you want to look specifically at it, or Flatter Me if you want to look specifically at it. And uh, personally, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am Heart Shaped Sky. I've used heart shaped sky for um i don't know 80 years i'm just kidding <laughs> for a very long time um some heart shaped sky everywhere pink tiger games everywhere and from there you can find the links to everything else i do if you want to look at specific um games that i make awesome well amy really appreciate your time really appreciate you coming on the show good luck with more of these conversation style games and everything else you got going on right now Thank you, Gabe. It was so nice to talk to you. And I really appreciate being on your show. And I really appreciate all the work that you do and the community you form. And, you know, hats off. You are awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?